0: Welcome to This Week in VO with J. Michael Collins. Each week, JMC will host one of the voiceover industry's most interesting personalities for a casual freestyle chat that encompasses more than just business, digging deep into the guest's backstory and pulling back the curtain on how they became the person they are today. And now for this week's guest, George Widom. Hey everybody, it's Jay Michael. I'm back for another week of This Week in VO and uh, I've got uh, one of the really cool guys in the industry with me today. He is based in Venice, California. He graduated from Virginia Tech in 1997. He's worked with a lot of musicians. He's worked as an engineer for NFL, for the Eagles, for the Philadelphia Eagles who lost to the Commanders last week, Radio Network, and uh, now works solely with voice actors and their clients. I think I'm probably pretty accurate in saying he's the most respected builder and constructor of home studios uh, in the industry. And he's had clients including Don LaFontaine, Bill Ratner, Melissa Disney, Randy Thomas, Joseph Riano, Scott Rummel, and the guy who is talking to you now. Uh, not that I dare consider myself among that list. He's the producer and co-host of the VOBS podcast, co-host of the Pro Audio Suite podcast, and they partner with TriBooth. And the most important part is he is the person in this world who has the knowledge of exactly how how much wax it takes to fix Dan Leonard's mustache into position, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> welcome, George Whitm.
1: <laughs> Great intro, man. The coffee's working. Of course, you have to take that. You have to take the opportunity to rub it in just a little bit that the Commanders beat the Eagles. But you know, it, it was our it was our game to lose, and uh, they turned it over and a few times it was pretty shameful. So uh, right. <laughs> the Commanders deserve the win, and maybe they get make it to the wild card, and they get make it all the way. And we'll see what happens.
0: It's going to be interesting, and the Eagles are—they're—they're they're tough this year, man. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, uh, they're serious. Uh, Hertz looks like a pretty good quarterback, and um, you know, they seem to be putting it all together. I think that was a bit of a rough night, but yeah. Uh,
1: well, don't worry. That's the extent of my knowledge of football, right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far, as, far, as, like that, I'm a as, far as that conversation's yeah, going I am there. definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, about
0: that mustache wax. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> what's yeah. going on in your world? Well, um, I was just telling you before, like I'm sitting in my booth at home. I I have never, as crazy as it sounds, I've never actually had an ISO booth in a my own home. I d- I never needed it. I wasn't recording myself in any like professional voiceover capacity. I was always just doing, you know, vlogging, being on podcasts, things where I can get away with heavy processing and stuff. And um, well, it just an opportunity came up to get a booth of my own, and um, I was able to do a trade with somebody, and ended up get with my very own studio, Bricks ISO booth, and it's in my apartment. So, this is my first ever, this is my debut recording from inside my very own booth.
0: Well, I feel extremely privileged to be the uh, the the person on the other end of it.
1: It's really fun. It's it's neat to be in here and feel what it's like to be an actor trapped inside a small box.
0: <laughs> yeah, help me get get out. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. That is my biggest worry: is that the 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 very complex latching mechanism on the door will someday right. just jam.
0: It's a it's boot <laughs> you <know, to> <laughs> also a coffin.
1: Yeah, and you have to. Well, the good thing about the studio break is you can disassemble it from the inside. You just start. That's you true. just lift the roof off and start taking the pieces <laughs> apart.
0: Dig, dig your way out of the booth. That's yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, and speaking of booths, I mean, you're a partner with Tribooth. Talk to me a little bit about uh, about the Tribooth. Uh, what uh, what what was the genesis behind the invention of that?
1: Oh yeah, so yeah, I mean, we all know all the big brands of ISO booths like Whisper Room and Vocal Boost and all all those. Um, and then we all know about some of the other portable solutions from our buddy Harlan Hogan, the Portabooth Pro, and all those things. But we just saw there was this Goldilocks sweet spot right between them, right? Something that was obviously a little less portable than a porta booth, but a lot more substantial. Something that you could stand inside of that would feel more like you were in your in your booth at home while on the road. And, um, and, you know, Rick Wasserman, the owner of Tribooth and literally the creator of it, um, you know, created it as a solution for his own needs. You know, it, it, he was traveling more. He was doing a summer theater uh, thing in, in Colorado and he had to be on the road more and often, more often. And he just, you know, we were, we were literally buying stuff on eBay, you know, and trying Mm -hmm. them. And they were like, he's like, yeah, this works, but it's really too bulky. I can't really carry it on a plane easily. It's the size of a golf bag or this is too heavy, or this is really, really cheaply and flimsily made, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a couple of years go by and he started, we brainstorm and he comes up with this triangular floor plan. He literally mocked it up with drinking straws. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, man, I think you're really onto something. I think that's a really great idea because think about it. When you're in a small rectangular space there's always like a corner that isn't useful, right? It's just mm-hmm. a corner it's like you might stick a lamp in that corner or it's just you don't need all four corners because your your shoulders and are your shoulders in two corners and your mic is in the other one. So hence the triangle floor plan. And uh so the tri booth with its triangle floor plan and its um we found some really great um sound absorbing Blankets, you know, they're not soundproof, but they absorb a tremendous amount of reverb and stuff. Um, the combination of all those things together in a package that fits into a travel fits into a standard suitcase, like a checking suitcase, um, carry-on version, maybe mm-hmm. coming next year. We'll see what we can c- come up <laughs> with. But uh, it's yeah, it's it just works, and it. So many people tell me the ultimate compliment, which is nobody knew I was traveling. Wow, (laughs) And that's what we're, you know, we're really happy about how that works out. So yeah, it just came from a a need and turned into a product. And to this day, we're three years in, we're just coming up on our fourth year. And we're still deciding, should we keep doing this thing? You know, Rick (laughs) builds this thing by hand with his wife. It's an, an absolute labor of love. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great.
0: Well, and, and you said drinking straws. Back then they were probably plastic straws, right?
1: They were actually plastic yeah, bendy the, straws. So they had the bendy the, joints. Paper, you know, abom- the
0: paper abominations that we have now. <laughs> oh, boy.
1: <laughs> drink a smoothie through one of those things. It lasts for about 30 seconds. Yeah. I always
0: joke. I love the environment. I think we should do everything we can to help the, the animals. But every time I get a paper straw, I eat a dolphin out of spite. <laughs>
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't carry one of those folding metal straws and a little a little uh, bend, bend, uh, pendant around your neck?
0: Well, if I did, I wouldn't get the dolphin steaks, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I told you, it's a hilarious. lot of coffee before this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So but I'll send you the invoice for the infomercial later, but who's the tri-booth for?
1: Uh, well, okay. So it was designed for people like Rick, you know, the busy voice actor, literally the rear of the, the the rear of the business card is a pair of golden handcuffs that have been broken, (laughs) you know, cause it's like showing that we can break your whole golden handcuffs. You're not chained to your studio. That's what we had in mind. Cause that's what Rick does. And then we started finding more and more folks were needing something like this as a solution at home. And it came out at a time where travel essentially evaporated. Like Mm. we launched it three months before the pandemic so our whole business plan was turned on its side and we were like well this could be a really good home booth too and so we had a lot of people buying them for their first home booth or as a secondary location home booth and that's so then it became much more of a universal product so it really is it's really for anybody who has no space at home to record they don't want to give up a closet Maybe they were already in their closet and they want to get out of the closet. Um, and, uh, and they, and they just don't want to take up a lot of space. You know, they have three by three feet of space to give up in their home and that's what they're willing to, to commit. And this thing fits in that kind of a space. So it's really for any of those kind of situations. Voiceover, um, mostly, but it could be used right. for obviously podcasting and other medium.
0: Well, I, I can say that as a, um, at our, most recent Dublin Euro retreat after the, uh, the pandemic, the first one back after the pandemic, I actually yeah. got to use it. Um, Bridget real had one and, oh, okay. uh, and I got to use it and do, do quite a few commercials up there in, uh, in that tri booth. And, uh, it was oh, pretty cool. effective. I was, I was, yeah, it's, it's good stuff.
1: Cool. I'm glad to got to reuse it in the real world and see how, see what it does.
0: Yeah, it worked. It worked well. Um, she thanks for the way plug. Way too hot, but that's um, yeah. yeah. It's like wearing,
1: wearing a giant wool coat.
0: Yeah, it's it's warm. It it's warm, but mm-hmm. uh, and you can't turn the AC on. That's the hard part. But uh, but yeah. that's that's our life normally anyway, right? <laughs> <It> kind of is. <laughs> but no, they sound yeah. great. Um, talk to me about VOBs a little bit. Uh, what's what's it like? Um, well, you're not in the same room as Dan, right? You're, where are you out there now?
1: Well, we try are, to. You, you,
0: yeah, you do do that in person, don't you? We
1: try to, yeah. Um, so, if, yeah, the show started out as East-West Audio Body Shop with Dan and I on different coasts. And uh, coast sort of. He was in Buffalo. I'm sure. I know he's glad to not be there now.
0: <laughs> now um, <laughs> four feet coming this weekend. Holy crap! Right?
1: <laughs> I saw the pictures from Buffalo Bills Stadium, and I was just like, uh huh.
0: I I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed we're not getting the snow globe game with the Bills. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like I, I, if, uh, we understand there may be loss of life. We get it, but come on, it's snow. It's ratings, um, baby, ratings, ratings, man. Content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah.
1: So it's uh now we've now we've uh because of uh, Dan relocated to the west coast best coast and we really realized uh you know this is where he wants to have his family and raise his his sons and all this stuff um we were able to shift into a more of an in-person studio thing and we did that a lot up until the pandemic um and then when the pandemic pandemic kicked in we switched it to remote and so it's sort of like the old days but using better tools so (laughs) the show looks and sounds better than it ever did and um but now we're we're getting to you know trickle back into the the actual studio in his home uh in uh Sherman Oaks, and it's it, it we'll we'll switch shift back and forth like our our guest last week was um remote, so he was like, "You know do you want to come in or do you want to do it remote?" And I said, "Ah, let's do it remote um it's just far enough away that you know if I can avoid the traffic and driving time it's it's nice." But when we get somebody in, like I think our last guest in studio was Scott Parkin and his daughter Miranda.
0: Oh, you let him um, in?
1: Yeah they they came <laughs> in. It was all four of us crammed in there, <laughs> and uh, and we did that one in person, which it's just a totally different energy when you're physically sharing the same space. You know, it was you know, really interesting. Especially with Parkin. Ab- yeah, absolutely. He's, <laughs> he's lightning in a bottle. He, he <laughs> And uh,
0: he's something in a bottle. This past weekend at Mavo, we actually single-handedly polished off a bottle of Glenfiddich together. So I know what that looks like. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, a, he's one of the greats.
1: A- absolutely. Yeah. And, and hugely talented, talented and, and entertaining. Um, and then Miranda's daughter is incredible talent. Like She is an inspiration to me and my, my daughter. Um, in fact, I brought my daughter when we taped that just so she could say hello and meet her. Um, cause I look at her as like in, you know, like my daughter's 13 and she's a great artist and, but very, very fledgling voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miranda's, well, you know what Miranda's yeah. doing. She's, yeah. Miranda, she's
0: Miranda's going to out earn all of us.
1: She is amazing, killing it. So I, uh, she's to me like a mentor. So hopefully someday she can mentor my daughter cause she really is an incredible, uh, talent with a lot of the same, you know, sensibilities as my daughter.
0: Have you bought any of the artwork?
1: I have bought, uh, I bought a fundraiser piece when we had the wildfires here in, uh, in, in, uh, m- um, Malibu. Mm-hmm. I have one of her pieces from that. Um, and, uh, I haven't gotten anything from their, from their current thing, but, uh, yeah, I need to get, I need to get on that and support because it, I hope, I hope they can sell that show that it's yeah, going to be amazing yeah. if they can get that comic cons- casino off the ground.
0: That's going to be great. And, uh, yeah, if you own a Miranda Parkin in the future, you're going to be able to put that in the bank, I think. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah. l- let's talk about uh, – so, I mean, obviously, you're, you're, the thing that you do more often than anything else, I think, is help people with their home studio and with yeah. their tech. And then, you know, that's that's what everybody looks to you for in the business. What are some of the common mistakes you see people making when they try to create a home studio?
1: Uh, I think one common issue is maybe overspending in some areas and underspending in others. Um you know, the, the by far the most sexy, glamorous thing that anybody thinks of in their home studio is the bass traps. No, that was total bullshit.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> the microphone. Those sexy bass traps.
1: Man. Yeah, no, it's the microphone, right? It's, it's just what everybody focuses on. Um, and so that people may overspend on microphones and then underspend on making sure that that microphone can sound the best that it can. And it can't without considering acoustic treatment. And if you think of acoustic treatment as the lighting for a photo, then it's a little easier to conceptualize. You cannot get a great looking photo with crappy lighting. It's just not gonna happen. Ever take a picture of people outside at noon when the sun's directly overhead? Mm-hmm. You know how terrible that looks. Um that's kind of like acoustics for, for, for a voiceover. So you, you have to get that part sorted out. And with all the plugins we have and all the technology that's available, there's still nothing that can create a perfect acoustic environment from a bad one. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get that part sorted out. And th- that is not expensive to do. Thankfully, like you can start with a closet, especially if you have a walk-in closet with cl- a lot of clothing in it. Those are amazingly good for, voiceover recording because they're just so dead they just absorb all of the sound of your voice and suck it away so that the mic can hear you without those reflections so that's a very important thing to focus on um and then after that it's it's the rest of it is just accessories that will make that mic be easy to use sound good like an audio interface there are very few bad audio interfaces nowadays, even at the low end of price range. Almost, almost anything will work for voiceover at this stage. Honestly, um, we're using highly sensitive condenser mics, so you know they don't have to have gobs and gobs of gain. Um, mm. So uh, you know, even the lowly Scarlett uh, interfaces and the uh, products from Steinberg, Yamaha, Presonus. There's very rarely anything that's going to give you any trouble. Um, I think sometimes people might step off with a, a very compl- complicated piece of equipment because they've heard so much about it. And you, you're, you know what I'm talking about, the Apollo. Mm-hmm, um, right. You've got one and I, I've got one in my, uh, in my arsenal and I've set up hundreds of them, but they're unnecessarily complex for somebody who's just getting started. With no real benefit to the the resulting sound, you know, so... And they
0: they don't play nice with Riverside, which is why I'm on my RME Fireface right now.
1: Yeah, so the RME is a fantastic interface. It works with everything, but again, it's it's pricey. So it's a really good one, but quite expensive. So, you know, I like things that are simple to operate. If you're in a session, especially if you're being directed live, and I'm hearing that more and more, like even people who are really new to the business and are just starting to book... They're getting into situations where they're expected to be on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So that, um, has definitely raised the stakes in terms of how difficult it might be to do your, your job. So I'm a big fan of sticking with audio interfaces that are very simple to operate. Where when, what I mean by that is just having one knob per function. (laughs) You know, the (laughs) Apollo has a big knob that does four plus functions. Not a fan of that for someone who's just learning and doesn't want to have to get over that learning curve. One knob for gain, one knob for your headphone mix. And I love that knob being able to mix between yourself and the, and the studio very, very, very easily with a twist of a knob. And then, and then a headphone level knob. And, and that's, those are the knobs that you need. Those are it. You only need a couple and they're very easy to access. There's a lot lot of
0: knob talk right here.
1: Yeah. A lot of knob talk. Um, (laughs) My favorite interface is probably the SSL two right now. I know a lot of people are loving that one, and again, it it takes the idea of a Scarlett or those really basic interfaces, and and really makes it um, just ups everything in terms of quality, design, the features, and uh, and it's not terribly expensive. It's it's under three hundred dollars most of the time. So um, that one is a, I, I would overspend on that, and then I would I, I just got done with a client who had an SSL two and a two and a hundred dollar. Audio Technica 2020, and uh, mm-hmm. she sounded great. She was in a PVC blanket booth fort kind of setup, your typical startup, and I said, there's very little I have to complain about here. It sounds really, really good. So um, she did her homework, and she came up with a good sound with, with really, really inexpensive stuff. And with that SSL, too, she can then, if she does want to spend up the food chain on microphones, go like a Sennheiser, a Neumann, or something like that, she'll have a good good a really good preamp interface that will complement it so she won't right. feel like oh i got to upgrade everything
0: Now, now I know every mic sounds different in different rooms and different environments, but let's talk just generally a little bit at the low end. Let's say the sub $500 range. Um, what are some of the better buys out there? And then let's talk a little bit. If we get up into that thousand plus range, you know, what, what's better? The, the 416 or the 103? When we get above that, the manly, the U87, talk to, talk to us about mics a bit.
1: Oh, okay. We're going to, we're going to go up the food chain of microphones. Um, so when, when you pay more for a microphone, you pay for a few things. One of them is you pay, for, in my opinion, anyway, you pay for very linear sound uh, frequency response. So and this is so timely because I was just, you know, because the person I was speaking to had an AT2020, again, a AT twenty twenty again, an entry point mic. I looked at the frequency, frequency response online and I saw that it wasn't that smooth. It was a little bit bumpy, you know, as you go higher in frequency. It wasn't a nice smooth curve. It kind of had little ripples in it, right? The much higher quality mics, Sennheiser's and et al. in that, in that three to $500 plus price range tend to be much smoother. And that I think is really good for a voice and it will make it easier for the engineer to sculpt the EQ and get the sound they want. If it doesn't already have a lot of little dips and bumps in the EQ. So your 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 quality mics are going to have smoother EQ on the on the average. Now the exception would be like a microphone that's really designed and modeled after a vintage microphone that wasn't necessarily technically perfect, like a U forty seven or or some of these older, older tube mics. They weren't technically perfect, but they had a certain tone or sound. Mm-hmm. And some mics are designed to emulate that. So those are going to be a lot more of an acquired taste. And they'll be th- thousands of dollars, but they may not sound great on most on on everyone. So those are much more difficult to kind of hone in on and, and figure out if it's the right mic for you. So if you're like if you've already got some of the 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 quintessential mics for voiceover, like you mentioned the TLM one hundred and three by Neumann, the U eighty seven even out on the Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic and you've already been there, done that. You maybe own those and you've experimented, but you want to see what else is out there. I definitely would recommend renting mics mm. and trying out because the rental houses that rent microphones tend to rent the higher end mics, right? They don't right. rent the low end mics usually. So they'll have those and you can, you can really start trying out things you never thought of trying out before. Um, so I, I, those, those are all characteristics that you'll see now. In terms of mics that are new technology that are kind of breaking the mold, a couple companies are really doing some interesting stuff, such as um, um, Austrian Audio. And full disclaimer, they are a supporter of my podcast Pro Audio Suite, so I'll get that little disclaimer out of the way. <laughs> but I do have one of their um, OC818 mics that I use at my desk, which is so silly. Uh, here I am in the booth with an old AT2035. But at my desk, I have a $1,200 mic. Um, but it, it, I love the mic before its smoothness. It's not overly harsh or bright. It's got multiple patterns for you. You can flexibly adjust its pickup pattern. So if you want to change its character a bit, you can from Omni all the way to figure eight. And then it even lets you do some heavy-duty programming of some of the uh, other aspects. You can program its pickup pattern and and stuff. It, it, you can really geek out. And I and uh, I, I find that the, the built-in settings work fine for my needs. And it's a fantastic mic. And it really, uh, to me, it's sort of like a Neumann mic that gives you more control over your sound without spending, uh, well, a lot more money. You know, it's right. just more flexible. So, um, that one I've been, uh, really, really impressed with, um, another company Mojave, which is out of Burbank here, small company, but the nice thing when you buy their condenser mics, every single one of them is, is hand tested and listened to by, um, the designer of their microphones, David Royer. He was known for the Royer microphones. They they make ribbon mics. And so, you know, I got to interview them and, and meet them and I've met David in the past and, uh. He is, you know, he is a genius, right? And, and when he listens to that mic and signs off, you know, it's going to sound the way it's supposed to sound. And that, that little extra level of inspector, you know, having someone who is involved with the mic, literally the design of the mic, actually approving the mic before it leaves the shop, that's something that's hard to find. Um, so that's another thing that's kind of nice to look for when you're, when you're kind of dis- differentiating between all these different brands and what you're paying for, you know?
0: What is a let's, – let's pivot a little bit to a question I think a lot of talent have, newer talent in particular. Is there a substantial difference in what DAW you use? What, 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 is there one that's better than the other? Do you need Pro Tools to be successful in voiceover? Can you do it just on Twisted Wave? I mean, or is it somewhere in between? What, what, what's, what's important about
1: DAWs? It kind of echoes my sentiment of what's important in an audio interface, so if, if you're, if you're really, if you're a voice actor who really focuses on the acting and less on the production side of things, where your job really is to record a dry voice track, um, edit it down, maybe apply some very basic light processing. That's just a finishing touch for either on addition or maybe that's what the client wants to hear. Then something like Twisted Wave or Twisted Wave itself, obviously is, is a really good choice um, because it simplifies the tool set. Um, a multi-track DAW like Reaper, Pro Tools, Logic, Studio One, and many, many, many others that I won't bother mentioning, they, they have a far more elaborate, complex tool set. So mm-hmm. like, they don't have just one simple tool for editing. They have like four or five. Um, and, and then you've got, you know, this non-destructive editing notion where everything you do is still stored on the system. Um, you have layers of audio you can layer on top of each other with multiple tracks. There's just a much deeper learning curve. Once you master it and you've got the training into it, you may find some benefits. And there are some who just once they learn those tools, they don't want to go to something simpler. But there are many of my clients who still, you know, 25, 35 years into their career, still want to keep that. They want to keep the technology out of the way and have a very simple workflow. So for them, a, a single track editor app like Twisted Wave and an Adobe Audition as well, when you use it in waveform mode, is like a single track, is just a faster, easier way to, to work for them. You know, I think if you came up early in voiceover in your, if you've been at this for more than fifteen twenty years, you probably have already learned and mastered Pro Tools. Because mm-hmm. if you started that long ago, that's really what you are going to probably end up buying. You know, there weren't a lot of great apps out there. There was Cool Edit. If you were on basically if you were on Windows, you had Cool Edit. Right. If you're on Mac, you're probably on Pro Tools. You know, right. there were very few viable options that were in use commonly in production back then. And so you might still be on, to this day, on Pro Tools because you've memorized every keyboard shortcut. It is literally muscle memory. And then Pro Tools makes sense. Um, right. I would not just go right out of the gate learning it just to learn it unless you feel like you're going to be doing actual production and you need to learn it and you want to have software that's compatible with all the major studios. And, you know, that. then there's that's a reason to learn it. But if you're purely voice acting the additional cost and the overhead of learning it and everything else doesn't seem to make sense to me. So, yeah. and Twisted Wave's coming out for Windows. So oh, that's cool. a great thing too. That'd be great to see all the Windows users being able to adopt. It's, uh, its really simple to use uh, workflow.
0: Wonderful. And, well, George Widom, an absolute uh, wealth and wellspring of knowledge as always. Uh, leave our guests with one just general piece of good advice for people about their home studio.
1: Uh, this is hard to do it without being biased, but I would say have some technical av- advisor in your corner. Um, there are so many great resources online, of course. We all know the usual suspects, all the Facebook groups and the YouTube channels and on and on. But having one person you can absolutely trust that will give you the best possible advice, and also you can trust their ears and give you good advice about your sound— that cost may seem high at first. Let's say you're spending $100 on a mic. Paying me for 30 minutes for $150 might seem kind of ludicrous. Like, wait a minute, I paid $100 for a mic. Why would I pay even more just to talk to you? Um, but it's just you're getting an accumulated amount of knowledge that's just from trial and error and experience of listening to and working with thousands of people. And it's it's a massive, massive shortcut. So for you if, you, if you want to save time and you want to kind of get through the tech hurdle very rapidly rather than doing a ton of research and a lot of experimentation on your own, you'll understand why that cost makes a lot of sense to you. You know, that is really what I can say about that. You 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 can absolutely stumble your way along, do the YouTubes, do the research, ask questions, and you can get down the road. Um, we all started that way at some point, um, but having a great trusted advisor, whether it be me or any of my colleagues, there's some, there's more of us now than ever providing great voiceover home studio technical knowledge. That is, I think, something you definitely want to keep in your budget. Keep that in mind when you're. If you're a business-minded person and you create a business plan, good good on you. Uh, But if you do, have that in your business plan. Have some technical advisement in there along with your coaching um, so that you can have that stuff sorted and and dialed much, much more quickly at the beginning. Um, you, You will absolutely find it worthwhile.
0: Great advice. George, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me on. It's it's great. I'm glad to hear your podcast is thriving. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to see you in person next year. I hope to be taking advantage God, at least a couple of them.
0: <laughs> Looking forward to it as well, my friend. And, folks, you guys know what time it is. Here is Kayla. You have been listening to This Week in VO with J. Michael Collins. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues on social media. If you do, JMC might just send you a lobster. Now here's nobody trying to sell you anything because that's just how we roll. Stay tuned for a new podcast
1: most weeks throughout the year.